G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. Coming up today on The Story. Two men, one built his house on sand, the other does the hard work of digging down below the sand and building his house on hard rock underneath the proper foundations. The first guy has his house collapse, the second guy has his house stand, and Jesus says, that's what you'll be like. You'll be like the second guy who survives the storms of life if you put what I've just told you into practice. Now that is what we call resilience. The Story. G'day, I'm Jimmy Colfax. Welcome to The Story. Well, today we have a special guest, author, speaker and long-time Christian broadcaster, Sheridan Voisey. You might remember hearing his voice as the host of the interview program called Open House, heard throughout Australia on various radio stations. However, a few years ago, he and his wife moved to the UK to start a new chapter in their lives. Sheridan has written several books, including the one he's sharing about today, Resilient, Your Invitation to a Jesus-Shaped Life. Sheridan Voisey is chatting with Shelley Scullin. So why the move to the UK? Why did you head over there? Well, you know, the full story of that is told in um, a previous book that I released called Resurrection Year. But ultimately, 10 years of my wife and I trying to start a family, which then kind of ended in a horrific crash in uh, Christmas of 2010. And then basically us moving to the UK, particularly so Mary and my wife could start again. She was offered a job at Oxford University, no less, pretty good gig. Wow. And we saw that as God's kind of provision for us to kind of start again so that Marin could have at least a secondary dream fulfilled when the first dream of being a mum was not going to be fulfilled. So that's really what brought us over here in 2011. A fairly big change of life for you then uh, when you moved over there. Of course, she got to chase her dreams. Did that mean you yourself giving up some dreams here in Australia? Big time. Yeah, big time, including the Open House show. Mm. Um, The Open House show was a dream that kind of started in the mid-90s. It came to fruition 10 years later in 2006. And, you know, it it was a real dream come true of trying to reach mainstream Australia with the things of Christian faith in a culturally relevant way. And, you know, we had some real success with that. And I had some wonderful publishing opportunities with books, had some wonderful speaking opportunities, speaking at Australia's Parliament House uh, to MPs and senators there, things like that. And then moving over here to the UK meant letting go of that. Mm. Now, if you know anything about publishing, you know that it's very unlikely that you'll get a publishing contract for a book if you are in a country that doesn't know who you are. And so when I moved over here to the UK, I went knocking on the doors of the publishers with a, you know, a book project that I thought was going to be a winner. And they said, well, no thanks, because we don't know who Sheridan Voisey is. And so there was 18 months, two years there, where it was actually quite, quite a challenge. But sometimes those wilderness wanderings are actually some of the most deepest times to really find out who you are, who God is, and to make sure you're not building your life on secondary things like being a popular broadcaster or an author or whatever those kinds of things are. They're all great, and they're all God-given identities, but actually our ultimate identity as people who follow Jesus is as a child of God. And I think that 18 months was 
a real reminder that that can never be taken away from me, no matter where I move in the world, no matter what success or failure I have. Sounds like you learned a whole lot in that time and as part of that move as well. And a lot about resilience, which is what your latest book is all about. Was it around this time that you started reading the Sermon on the Mount every day? Yes, it was about six months into us moving over here, and I'd wanted to really go deeper into you know these just three little chapters in the Gospel of Matthew, Matthews five to seven, that have been so tremendously, profoundly impactful for the whole of history. I'd been wanting to do this for a long time, Shelley, and then when I came over here, I decided, well, this is a good time to do it. And so what I did is I had this experiment, and I decided to read it every day for a month. And some days I would read the whole of the sermon. It only takes about 15 minutes. It's not very long. Other times I would just go deep into a passage of it or maybe even a verse of it and just kind of really pray about that and really rest with God in that. And what, what does that verse mean? And then on the weekends I was kind of studying it a little bit more in depth. And that experiment continued beyond one month to two months and then on to three months because the sermon really got a hold of me. And yeah, that's then, ultimately, this new book is the result of that little journey of wrestling with it every day. And, and I mean wrestle. I mean, there's some pretty profoundly difficult things that Jesus says in the sermon, as well as some lovely comforting mm-hmm. things. And then scribbling some notes in my journal, turning those journals into devotional pieces, and then those devotional pieces now making up a book. Yes, and it's a really interesting book. There's 90 readings uh, in there. For people who aren't familiar with Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, can you just give us a quick wrap-up of uh, some of the things that Jesus was saying and the overall message that he had? Well, it's really interesting. When you go into it, you find that there's this wonderful structure to it, which I have never seen before. I don't know about you, Shelley, but uh, with the Sermon on the Mount, I've kind of focused on some verses and I've skipped over others (laughs) that have been maybe a little bit more challenging. So Mm. in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus starts with the Beatitudes and he talks about blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven and blessed are those who mourn for they will be comforted. Those are wonderful verses. Elsewhere, he talks about, you know, your heavenly father is like a is, is, is a good father. You know, what father doesn't want to give his children good gifts? I love those kinds of verses. And then there's other verses about, you know, uh, don't worry about what you'll eat and drink because your father looks after the birds of the air. He clothes the, the flowers so beautifully. If he looks after them, he's going to look after you. But also there's some tough stuff in there, you know, turning the other cheek when somebody slaps you and loving your enemies and, and doing all sorts of, you know, quite radical things. So, it is, it is both profoundly comforting, profoundly inspiring, profoundly challenging. And that's what really a sermon from the Son of God should be, don't you think? It should yes. have all of those qualities and more. But there's really about six sections to it. So the first one is what we traditionally call the Beatitudes, all of those blessed statements. And really that's his invitation to all the wrong people to come on in and to be part of his kingdom. Then he goes into a section on calling. This is where he says, you are the salt of the earth and you are the light of the world. No matter what your profession is, Jesus says, if you follow me, you will be a a world changer. In Matt Prater's words, a history maker, (laughs) because (laughs) you follow me, you'll be the salt of the earth and the light of the world. He goes then into a really profound section on relationships. And he tackles four forces that destroy relationship. And so this is where he talks about anger. You know, you shouldn't be 
angry with anybody, if you call your brother Raka, or if you say you fool, you know, you're in danger of hell, those kinds of challenging statements. He talks about adultery and divorce. He talks about not making false promises. And that's where he also talks about not retaliating, not punching back, but turning the other cheek. The next section is on spirituality, where he talks about how do we pray and fast and give to the poor. It should all be about the heart. It shouldn't be about looking good to others. The section after that, I, I kind of sum it up as being a section on choices, where he talks about ask and it will be given to you and seek and you will find. How do you go about uh, getting the things that you need in life and walking with God through that? He talks about the narrow and the wide gates and the narrow and the broad ways and the paths. talks about false teachers there. So how do you choose which way to go, which path to take, who you listen to? And then he wraps it up with this famous but very surprising parable of two builders, which is the sixth section, which I think is all about resilience. And this is where he says, there's two men, one builds his house on sand, the other does the hard work of digging down below the sand and building his house on hard rock underneath, the proper foundations. Both of them experience storms, and when the rain falls and the floods rise and the wind beats against the house, the first guy has his house collapse, the second guy has his house stand, and Jesus says, that's what you'll be like. You'll be like the second guy who survives the storms of life if you put what I've just told you into practice. Now, that is what we call resilience. Resilience is being able to withstand being beaten up and having the storms hit us really, really badly. And Jesus says, if you put my teaching in the Sermon on the Mount into practice, you will be the resilient person. And mm. that was an eye-opener to me, Shelley, because I hadn't seen that before. And so that's really where the, the title for the book, Resilient, comes about, because that's ultimately what the Sermon on the Mount's about. Yeah, it's interesting stuff. I mean, there's so much to the sermon. Like you say, it's not just your standard three-point sermon that we hear these days. <laughs> not at all. I think this whole idea of resilience is an interesting one because I tend to think of resilience as uh, being built up over a period of time where you have lots of little things bad happen to you and basically you just learn from each one. You make mistakes or, you know, things just come your way. You learn from each one and then you're able to, you know, withstand bigger and bigger things. I like this idea, though, of you actually being proactive, uh, like you're saying, you know, building your house intentionally on the solid rock and going to that extra effort to, you know, build those foundations rather than building the easy foundations on the sand. Uh, I guess, yeah, the whole idea of you being intentional about building into who you are so that uh, you can then carry on in the storms of life. Mm. There's, I mean, there's the common thread between what you've just talked about and then what Jesus talks about in the Sermon on the Mount is actually longevity. Uh, when you do go about and you face those challenges, and like you said, you kind of you know, the resilience builds up little bit by little bit. Uh, well, that happens over time, and Jesus is in not not in a rush by any means. I mean, when he talks about the Sermon on the Mount, um, we're talking about over the lifetime continuing to put this into practice continuing to be proactive, as you say, about thinking, okay, I've got a challenging relationship now. Now, there's that bit in the Sermon on the Mount where Jesus talks about anger. I can't really feeling angry. Then there's that bit in the Lord's Prayer where he says, you know, forgive us as we forgive others. How do I apply that now in this particular situation? So that's, it's, it's an invitation. It's a challenge. It's an experiment to walk with God through these things. But it isn't just, as you say, being passive about 
the storms of life that come and the challenges that come and just letting them wash over us and, oh, we get up afterwards and realize, well, we're probably a little bit stronger. Mm. No, we're actually intentional about putting Jesus' words into practice. You're listening to The Story. Today, Shelley Scowen is chatting with author, speaker and long-time Christian broadcaster Sheridan Voisey. Sheridan has written several books, including the one he's sharing about today, Resilient, Your Invitation to a Jesus-Shaped Life. We'll have more when we return. The Story. If this program has highlighted something you'd like prayer for, we'd love to pray for you. Call 1-800-PRAY-FOR-ME. That's 1-800-772-936. It's a free call. Or text 0401 132 Hi, I'm Jimmy Colfax, and this is The Story. We're continuing with Shelley Scowen chatting with author, speaker and long-time Christian broadcaster Sheridan Voisey. He's sharing about some of the wisdom he's picked up during his life journey, much of which he has written about in his books. Sheridan, I'd love to know your thoughts about this whole idea of God not giving you more than you can handle. It seems to be a phrase that we bandy around a little bit in church circles that God will never give you more than you can handle. It doesn't actually appear in the Bible in those words, but there are some verses that might, uh, I guess, relate to it. What are your thoughts on this whole topic? Like I said, we so often pull that one out and say, well, he's not going to give me more than I can handle. You know, I've just kind of got to ride out the storm. I know some people that have gone through horrific things. And of course, we hear all the time from people in the persecuted church where people are going well beyond uh, what they can cope with and they're losing their lives as a result some of them being tortured uh, so it's a lot more complex than what we'd like to think uh, in so many cases uh, and I have to really have a look at the context of the verse that you're talking about there but Jesus is talking about giving us a way out of temptation yeah. and so we actually have an alternative to get out of temptation uh, which is a different context to facing horrific forces of injustice and persecution and everything what tempers me with all of these sometimes quite trite responses to pain and suffering, whether it be, you know, God won't give you more more than you can handle or, you know, uh, pray through to victory or anything like that, all of which have actually got a lot of substance to them, but sometimes so quickly drip off the tongue by people who actually aren't going through tough times and think it's going to help, but really it's just a way of wrapping up the conversation because they're feeling uncomfortable. I think the thing that tempers all of that for me is looking at the lives of the great saints right throughout Scripture. I mean, every one of the apostles, apart from John, uh, met a horrific death as a result of following Jesus. Horrific. Uh, Look at all the Old Testament prophets. Look at poor old Jeremiah, the weeping prophet. They had some really, really tough times. Now, I do believe that God takes us through to victory. The issue is timing. And the victory, ultimately, for so many of the prophets and apostles and saints was in heaven. It was heavenly. It was a divine time, heavenly time. And for many of us, the victory will come tomorrow, whether it be a healing or whether it be a restoration of a relationship or whether it be miraculous escape from some sort of horrific thing. It may not be, and we're called to follow Jesus and be Christ-like through those situations for as Mm. long as they last. And I think the one promise that we can cling on to, no matter what, is that God is with us. 
he just promises it over and over and over again throughout the the Old Testament and the New Testament that if we're walking with God, he is always with us and uh, he will sustain us through whatever we're going through. Yeah, exactly. And what Marin and I have found from our decade of wandering through the wilderness of infertility and not having God come through for us. And we didn't have the the miracle baby at the end. Everybody who reads Resurrection Year, the last book which tells our story, is waiting for the big miracle baby at the end. It doesn't come. Something Mm. else comes, which is a surprise to us as much as it's a surprise to readers, which is that God turns our situation into a very unexpected source of blessing to others. Somebody put it like this. The, de- the lack of a birth in your life has resulted in the birth of life in others. Yeah. And that's what's happened is that God has taken our experience and it has birthed life in others by showing that if you walk through, you will find that God can redeem, or a better word is recycle, our pain and suffering into surprising ways to glorify himself and to bring life and hope and, and healing and love and new beginnings and new dreams to other people who are walking along with you. That has been a profound experience for us. It doesn't make up for the fact that we still don't have a child, but it does show how God can use everything to do some pretty amazing work in people's lives. Interesting you were talking about, uh, you know, building your profile and all all the rest and going back to uh, earlier in our conversation when we were talking about you moving to the UK and giving up your profile that you had here in Australia and basically having to start again. I know that's probably one of the things that God has taught you through this study in the Sermon on the Mount. How has your life changed since you started studying all of this? That issue of platform building is huge right now. Um, It's very popular. And in fact, if you're an author, it's required of you. So when I'm dealing with publishers, they want to know that I've got a big audience that I'm bringing to the table, to the deal because they want to know that I've got a bunch of readers that are ready to buy my book so that they don't have to kind of generate uh, you know, an audience for me to begin with. So I tell you, it's really tough as a Christian author to try to walk with integrity with all of this. At the same time, it's not wrong to build a platform. It's not wrong to have lots of followers on Twitter or Facebook. It's not wrong to have lots of people reading your blog posts. It's not wrong to have uh, people reading your articles and magazines. But... I tell you, it's very easy then for it all to become about you building your platform to have lots and lots of followers so that they are following you and reading your work and you are the one who's looking good to others. Very, very difficult. And you know what has helped me, Shelley, is I've started praying the Lord's Prayer every day. When you slow down and pray the Lord's Prayer line by line, you'd be amazed at what God does in you and how he kind of uses each line as an open door for all sorts of other praying. So... Our Father in heaven. Hang on, our Father. God is my Father. Whether I've sinned today or what, I can go back and I say, My Father. Profound. So you pray a little bit along those lines. May your kingdom come, may your will be done. Here is the line that recalibrates the forces that are saying to Sheridan, You have to build a bunch of people that are big following. You've got to have a big platform, a big profile, make sure that you're famous, make sure that you're important and seen as, as big in the eyes of, of the world. This is what recalibrates that. Hang on, it's not about me. It's about his kingdom and his will being done. Praying that every day is really, really recalibrating, really, really powerful. Give us today our daily bread. We can pray for all of our needs. 
uh, forgive us our debts. Praying that every day has meant that I have been able to keep short accounts with people so that if somebody is irritating me or not doing something I want them to do, I can forgive them each day and it helps things to not build up as we have been forgiven. I thank God again for the forgiveness, forgiveness he's given me. Lead us away from temptation. Deliver us from evil. All of those things are powerful things to pray every day. That's one of the things that has really changed my life as a result of going through the Sermon on the Mount. I mean, as you say, reflecting on the words of Jesus every day and, and specifically his prayer is uh, definitely going to be life-changing. And I guess that's why you've made it into 90 devotional readings. Uh, people, I guess you're encouraging people to slow down and uh, not read it all in one go, but to really slow down and chew over uh, what's actually in that study. Yeah, I mean, ultimately, Resilient is a book of devotional readings, but we've kind of designed it in, if you want to just read it as a regular Christian book, then you can, you know, go and read three or four of the stories all at once. Uh, but I would encourage people to slow down one or couple today, each day, one in the morning, one in the evening, something like that, that will help you to go deeper into the Sermon uh, mm-hmm. on the Mount and find its strength. And then uh, we've done a study guide for it as well, which is a six-session study guide, which kind of covers those six main sections of it that I mentioned before. So you can use it in a small group. So you can have people reading it every day uh, individually and then coming together each week to discover to discuss each section of it too. Mm, there's value in that as well. And I believe it is available free. That study guide is available free from your website, sheridanvoisey.com slash resilient. Uh, you also have some links on your website as well as to where you can uh, get the book from. It's called Resilient, Your Invitation to a Jesus-Shaped Life by Sheridan Voisey. Thanks so much for joining us today, Sheridan, and thanks for sharing just a snippet of your wisdom, or should I say God's wisdom, what he's been teaching you <laughs> over the last few years. Thanks so much, Shelley. Always a joy to talk to you, and this time included. Thanks so much. That was Shelley Scowen chatting with author, speaker and long-time Christian broadcaster Sheridan Voisey. And as we heard, Sheridan believes that if we have a heart for God, we can build a solid foundation for our lives and we'll be better able to withstand the storms of life. He recommends starting with the Sermon on the Mount to help us recalibrate our hearts to that of Jesus. He's written about how to do this in his book, Resilient, Your Invitation to a Jesus-Shaped Life. To learn more about the book and others written by Sheridan, you can go to his website, SheridanVoisey.com. That's SheridanVoisey.com. Well, thanks for joining us, for Sheridan sharing some biblical wisdom gleaned from the Word of God and from his life journey. Until next time, I'm Jimmy Colfax, encouraging you to share your story with someone today. Next time on The Story. Well, I had a broken marriage and we separated, but I'd had a really bad car accident and my injuries were really severe. I had broken sternum. I had double vision that I actually saw. They weren't even overlapped. There were two of everything. So if I poured a cup of coffee, I had to put my finger in it to make sure that was it. I had to get an iron that would switch itself up because I had no short-term memory at all. Diane Silvani is from South Australia and is the owner and manager of the Cleave Christian Bookshop. She had been living quite an ordinary life when suddenly it all changed when she was in a horrendous car accident. We'll hear about her tremendous healing next time. The story, just another way vision is connecting faith to life. This program is a production of Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, see vision.org.au.